Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Frank, who's co-hosting with me. Hello. And I'm also with Kale McHurst. Hi. Um, but first, I'd just like to give an acknowledgement of country. The land we're broadcasting over is the land of the Kulin Nations. Their sovereignty has never been ceded. Genocide is ongoing and colonisation is continuing. Um, I'd like to pay respects to elders past, present and future. And I'd like to acknowledge any Indigenous listeners tuning in today. Um, and on that topic, I was at a book fair yesterday and I heard um, Gary Foley speaking, who's a well-known historian these days, but was an activist in the 70s, one of the people who founded the Aboriginal Ten Embassy that protested like the lack of land rights for Indigenous peoples across the country. And yeah, he's a really great speaker. If you haven't heard of him, check him out at curryweb.org. He sort of talked about the hypocrisy of the ALP, talking treaty at the same time, creating the next generation of youth prisons like at Cherry Creek. Um, and, like, yeah, his message, particularly for non-Indigenous people like myself, was, was pretty much to educate yourself and educate the people. Um, yeah. So today's show we have Kale, as I've just mentioned before, Um so we're going to have an interview with Kale. So Kale is a comic creator um, and she's been creating comics for eight years and she's written autobiographical stories about mental illness, queer relationships and religion. So I'm just going to hand over to Frank now. Uh, yep. So yeah, um, I met Kale. Um, I believe it was at Joy FM. We were helping mm-hmm. promote Home Cooked because um, Home Cooked had a pretty stellar lineup of um, local queer artists, and that was where I discovered her work, which is pretty outstanding, I must admit. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she's uh, done a few comics such as The Christians, I Do Not Have an Eating Disorder, Polyamory Isn't For Everyone, and uh, she's working on a, another comic at the moment called uh, Triggered. You Triggered, say? that's right. Cool. Um, speaking of which, I should probably let you all now know that um, we'll probably be talking about some pretty heavy stuff like depression, self-harm and that. So that's a content warning for, for you all out there. Um, so anyway, uh, welcome aboard, Kale. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, no problem. Uh, so I just wanted to ask, uh, yeah, tell us a bit about yourself, uh, how you got into making comics and uh, what, what sort of comics you make. Okay, so um, I write uh, autobiographical comics because... It, it, the story is that when I, uh, about sort of eight years ago, um, I had been very unwell for most of my adult life, but I was completely undiagnosed and I didn't know um, that I was unwell. And the person that I was with at the time confronted me and asked me to go see a doctor because she really strongly believed that I had an eating disorder. Mm. And I didn't believe that. I certainly didn't think that at all. Um, she took me and stood me in front of the mirror and said, look at yourself, you look like a skeleton, you, I, I think you're dying, you need to go and see a doctor. And so to make her happy, I went and saw a doctor and was diagnosed with anorexia as well as depression, anxiety, OCD, a host of other things. And so as part of my recovery, um, the doctors then, of course, put me on medication 
for my depression. And I had always been um, an artist. I'd been an illustrator. I did large-scale watercolour paintings and Mm. illustrators with markers and things like that. And I loved illustrating and I drew constantly. Like every night I'd be drawing. And I had a very large creative output. And then when I started this medication for my depression, I found that my creativity was incredibly stunted. And I would sit in front of a blank canvas and I just felt like I had nothing to give. I had no ideas. Nothing would come out of me. If I tried to draw something, nothing would happen. And I was just incredibly, incredibly depressed by that. You know, I was trying to treat my depression with medication. And yet I was so depressed because this critical part of me, which was my creativity, had been stunted by this medication, which is a pretty common side effect of starting medication for the first time. And Mm. once you find the right balance, you know, that you don't tend to have those problems. But at the time, that's what I was facing. So I was in this situation where I was having all of these feelings about what was going on, about my diagnosis and my recovery, and I didn't have my usual way to express my feelings. And so I started, um, I, I, I decided that I would try and make just a couple of pages of comics because I thought, you know what, comics is, it's, I haven't, hadn't really drawn comics before, but, you know, it's, it's one tiny little picture at a time. And if I can just draw one tiny little picture at a time, then maybe I can piece something together. So I started out drawing sort of three or four pages of comics just about how I'd felt about being diagnosed with this eating disorder. Mm. And I had made those comics to show to my then girlfriend to say, look, this is, this is how I'm feeling. I don't know how to express it to you with words, but this is how I'm feeling. And words and pictures seem to be enough to express myself. And once I'd written those first couple of pages, um, I found that it actually really helped me to feel a little bit better and really helped me to understand myself a little bit more. And so I thought, oh, maybe I'll keep writing these, you know, because I, even though I can't illustrate, yeah. I can I draw a tiny little comic page, mm. a little panel at a time. And so I started drawing those comics and I started writing this story called I Do Not Have an Eating Disorder, which I named because I really believed at the time that I did not have an eating disorder. but. Mm. Spoiler alert, I did, Um, and started writing it. And the more I wrote, the more it helped me to process what I was feeling in my recovery. And I ended up writing almost 300 pages of it. It's Mm. um, it's actually just finishing now, so it's... um, it's been really helpful. And once I started writing that comic, I then started writing comics about all the things I was having feelings about, which <laughs> turns out is a lot of different things. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, that's sort of one of the things I like a lot about like the self-published comic and zine scene is that, you know, it's it's sort of a way it's sort of a way to sort of like express a part of your soul and also like feels like it feels like giving little gifts to people, mm. just sort of expressing, look, this is this is who I am. Like just like, you know, just the idea of like going back to, you know, like like caveman drawings or hieroglyphics yeah. and you know using that to communicate with each other just like small little things so yeah that's um yeah that's kind of what i get from from what you're saying yeah. um so you you do a lot of autobiographical right. comics it's it's safe to say um i was i was actually quite curious um have you done anything in like maybe maybe genre like possibly mixing genre with autobiographical comics which might be interesting I have only in my entire life done very few fictional comics and I found that I was not particularly good at fiction. Like I'm, I've, I've mm. never been much of a writer and so I, I, I'm not particularly – I don't think I'm particularly good at writing stories. Um, when I did want to write a fictional comic, I actually enlisted the help of my friend Florence Tate and she wrote yeah. um, a very sexy and fun fictional story for me to illustrate yeah. and that collaboration worked really well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Ah, nice. 
Um, so yeah, so I guess um, with the, uh, the the amount of comics that you've done, I've noticed that um, they have a big digital preference. So mm-hmm. like I think I think you release each page. Um, is it weekly or, yep. or monthly? Yeah. Yeah. On your on your Tumblr. So um, is is that how it how it started, or did you originally just self publish and then decide to share on the internet? No, I I started um, because I was really originally just writing these comics for myself. Um, once I'd written about twenty pages of comics and realised that it was really beneficial for me, and I was actually working as a kind of art therapy, I then thought how can I motivate myself to keep doing this because it seems to be so good for me? Mm. And so I started putting them online and I, you know, had a Tumblr following of five and (laughs) I started putting them online and thought, you know what, if I make a commitment to myself that I'm going to put one page online a week and if it's a standing commitment, that'll give me something to do and that'll give me a reason to keep doing it. And, you know, it's one of those cases of if you build it, they will come. So I just started putting the content on the internet once Mm. a week and people found it. And I really identified with it, which Mm. actually was one of the most helpful things about it is that through writing these comics about all these different subjects, I have just felt so much less alone. Like Mm, when I was going through this recovery process, I thought, oh, my gosh, I must sound crazy. I'm the only person who thinks this. I'm the only person who experiences this. And when you share it on the internet, I mean, it is a double-edged sword because you also get people writing to you saying, hey, the reason you're so depressed is because you're gay, Um, (laughs) which, which did happen. Uh, quite a few times, but you also get people writing in saying, oh my goodness, this is exactly how I feel and you've Mm. actually given me a way to express myself. And so I just felt so much less alone once I started putting stuff on the internet because there's a Mm. lot of people having the same experiences. Yeah. And I mean, when you consider that like a lot lot of us have... um anxiety and you know mm. it's 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 kind of that internal battle of telling yourself no this isn't this isn't true you know this yeah. isn't what they're you know this isn't what's actually you know you're not alone things are happening out there but then you know the nature of anxiety is that there's always other you know other voices combating that <laughs> so yeah getting it out on paper and like you know you know seeing that seeing that validation mm. i think is is really important like you know from 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 both sides i, I think so so yeah, that's um yeah that's 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 pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So I, I wanted to sort of talk about like the more heavy subjects like depression and yep. self harm. Um. As long as you're yeah, I'm with comfortable it, with course. that. Um. Like I guess how comfortable do you feel in like expressing that kind of stuff on paper? Like, do you feel like there's like parts of you that you you feel like you can't I- express or what I've experienced in writing these comics, so um, when I first started writing um, I Do Not Have an Eating Disorder, you know, a lot of the stuff in that was really personal and I couldn't believe at the time I was going to put it on paper and then furthermore that I was going to put it online because there's stuff in there about self-harm and my incredible anxiety and the ways I at the time would starve myself and mm. um, the, the kind of self-hating thoughts that I would have about myself and it seemed so deeply personal um, but and I was so nervous when I first put that stuff out into the world wide web and then but I had people write into me and say oh my goodness yeah this is how it feels this is how I feel and I was so encouraged by that because there are other people feeling this this absolute same experience and so each comic that I've written I've written to help me to process things mm-hmm. so my most recent comic for example polyamory isn't for everyone was about my last breakup i was never intending to write a comic about this this breakup but i found years after the events of the relationship happened i still hadn't healed from it i just mm-hmm. wasn't able to let go and i was still 
you know, when I would think about it or talk about the things that happened, even though it was years in the past, I'd still get really choked up and I'd cry about it. Mm. And I thought, why, why, why can't I move on from this? I should have let go by now. And so I used the comics as a way to process my feelings. And, you know, when I first started writing that comic every week when it was comics night, I'd sit down and write my comics page and I'd cry and cry and cry and then have a couple of glasses of wine and then I'd be like, okay, that's done for a week. Yeah. And then by the time I got to the end of it, I was writing it, I was punching out those pages and I was just so jubilant to get to the end. I'm like, yes, this is mm. done. I'm finished. And I don't feel sad and I don't feel angry. I just feel good. I feel done, mm. you know? So um, when it comes to approaching the next comic that I'm going to be writing after the Eating Disorder comic um, triggered, I'm... I'm very nervous about it because it's 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 the stuff that feels the most raw for me now. It's about um, sexual abuse and sexual assault, mm. the plebiscite, the Me Too movement, yeah. PTSD. It's and that kind of stuff. When I think about it now, that's the stuff that makes me shake and cry. But my hope is that by writing a comic about this, you know, like I have with the comics I've written in the past, I'll come to a point of acceptance and having dealt with things and feeling more comfortable and. I'll be able to put some of this stuff behind me. So I'm terrified of it, but mm. I think it's going to be really important for me personally. And I know that so many other people share these experiences. Yeah. Um, uh, sp- speaking of which, this uh, is a perfect segue to talk about uh, polyamory. Isn't mm. for everyone. Uh, it's a it's a comic I've raved about quite a bit. Um, <laughs> but because yeah, um, poly- polyamory is an as, is an interesting subject. Um, there is more widespread acceptance of it, but I think as I, it, it's sort of something that, um, you know, it's it's still fairly new to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And as such, it's easy to get things a little, like, like misconstrued in, like, yeah. you know, actually performing it, whether or not it's right, polyamory versus monogamy, so on and so forth. Um I guess, I guess what is the response that you've, you've gotten to that, that comic? Have people agreed with it? Have they sort of pointed out, like, certain things that that stick out to them or or Mm. whatnot yeah so i've had a really encouraging response from the polyamory community to polyamory Mm. isn't for everyone i try to be really clear in the comic i I call that polyamory isn't for everyone because when i started writing it i thought what i was writing about was this is my experience as a monogamous person Mm. trying to live in a polyamorous relationship how it felt and basically my conclusion was it wasn't for me Mm. and i've had Uh, tremendous support from the polyamorous community saying, you know what, the problem here is that you guys weren't really doing polyamory as as we would usually define it. You weren't following the usual guidelines of respecting each other's boundaries and openly communicating and making sure everyone was on board and making sure you have that complete trust with each other. There was a lot of things that weren't really... You know, if you have a a model for what healthy polyamory looks like, a lot of what we were doing didn't fit within that model. So I have friends now that are polyamorous, and when they first told me that they were polyamorous, I thought, oh, gosh, is this going to be a problem with me because I've had such a bad experience with polyamory? And it's just not because they do it well. They do it healthily. They respect each other. They communicate Mm. with each other. Everyone is friends with each other. Everyone loves each other. And it works so well because they know what they're doing and they're doing it with respect and love. And so I really think that the comic is not so much a comment on what polyamory is or isn't. It's more a comment on uh, how it can be done very, very badly Mm. if you don't know what you're doing. And I think 
most of the problem was that we didn't know what we were doing. I, I had only ever been monogamous and my partner thought that she might be polyamorous and wanted to try it. Yeah. But she didn't know what she was doing either. And so we were just kind of muddling our way through, making a mm. lot of mistakes. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is it is easy to forget that there's a lot of consequences for doing mm. polyamory or, or even monogamy like badly. Like there's there's downsides to there's downsides to everything. Um I you know just going to admit this on air. I'm polyamorous. Yeah. Um, I hope my family isn't listening, but, you know, <laughs> I'll deal with that another time. Um, and um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm currently seeing three people. One one part, one partner's, um, I've been seeing them for about uh, well over a year. And um, uh, basically it's worked just because we keep everything mm. honest. Um, I, you know, I tell my partner, look, it, I'm going to be seeing this person it's possible there might be a romantic Mm -hmm. you know romantic leanings um you know is is this okay and you know nine times out of ten it usually is yeah okay so you know um but at the same time i do acknowledge that that yeah i mean you know it polyamory might not work for everyone Mm. and so i do i do respect that and yeah um but but yeah it is a great comic and um my heart goes out to you (laughs) oh it was I think when I realised that what we were doing was not real polyamory was... Um, so we, we'd we been in the circumstance... The arrangement that we'd had was that I felt like I was a monogamous person. So she said, look, I, I want to be polyamorous. We should be able to see other people. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll try and do that, even though I personally don't want to see other people. I only want to see you because that's just what felt right for me. Mm. And she's like, that's fine, but I also want to see other people. And I said, that's fine. And so she would go out and see other people and I just would make my peace with it. Um, Mm. And she, you know, had multiple romantic partners, multiple sexual partners, and we had a lot of, you know, disagreements about the boundaries and how that would look. And then I got to a point where we'd been together for about three years and I just, it still felt so inconsistent with who I was. It just didn't feel right for me. And I thought Mm. maybe I'm not... I haven't really, you know, I've done all the reading about polyamory. I've read the ethical slut. I've read all the articles. I've read the blogs. And I was like, I understand it academically, but I just don't seem to understand it emotionally. I thought maybe what I need to do is I need to actually try and live polyamory more honestly. And so I thought, okay, I've got to, I've got to do it. I've got to go out and I've got to be a polyamorous person. So I've got (laughs) my girlfriend. All right. Now I'm going to go out to a party without her and I'm going to go find someone. I'm going to make out with them and I'm going to fool around and then I'll be polyamorous. So I went to a party and I met a girl and we you know she knew I had a girlfriend and she instigated something and we made out a bit and then she you know she asked me if I wanted to do other things and I said "Mm, no I don't really feel right you know I kissed her on the back I kissed her on the neck do you want to kiss me on the mouth no I don't really want to kiss you on the mouth because I feel weird about that because I you know I'd been a long-term monogamous person it's a pretty big first step to take but you know I finished that night after having given her some some kisses and I went home and I was like, oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to tell my girlfriend. I'm just so excited because I have been polyamorous. I have done it. I've mm. experimented with another person within the boundaries of my relationship. And I went home and I told her what I had done with such excitement because I was expecting to be congratulated and rewarded for what I was telling her. Right. And I told her what I had done and I just, I couldn't believe it. I just saw her face crumple and she just burst into tears and started crying and crying and crying and said, how could you do this to me? How could you do this to me? And I said, whoa, I don't understand. Like, I thought you'd be so proud. I'm trying to do this. Yeah. And she said, no, this this feels awful. This hurts so much. I can't believe you would do this. Mm. And that's when I knew, well, hang on a second, what we're doing doesn't sound like polyamory because if it feels right to you 
to be in relationships with other people other than me, but it feels wrong to you when I'm in relationships with other people, then mm. what we're doing obviously doesn't really fit with a definition of polyamory. And so I really had to, from that point on, I had to examine, okay, if we're not polyamorous, like what are we? Because this, it doesn't seem to fit. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think I think the one takeaway is just um, that, you know, communication is extremely mm. important with any kind of relationship. And, you know, I always think it's good to discuss issues like out in the open so that they don't, you know, they don't turn into into much bigger ones, which which can often yeah. often happen. Um, yeah. Um, so. So, yeah, um, uh, you know, Melbourne has is host to a lot of local uh, queer artists. Um, have you have you you met a few and has your work been well received by, by everyone? I, I think so. Um, what's really helped me is so, you know, all my big comics are about pretty heavy issues there you know, mm. about mental illness and relationship breakdowns and things like that. And um, I uh, started putting together on the side some fun comics because I just thought, you know what, like I've managed to connect with a lot of people that said my comics made them cry and that's beautiful but also very sad. And I really <laughs> I want to be able to also make comics that can make people happy and make people mm. laugh. So I started making fun comics on the side, which I usually post on my Patreon, which are comics about my current fiance or comics about growing up in a very religious family being queer and those are the comics that I tend to sell at shows um so I've got one um, series called no she's not my sister I've got another series called growing up good Mm. and I sell them little mini comics and it's really really fun to be at a comic show and have people come and pick it up and then read it and actually start laughing or say, hey, hey, babe, come over here. Look at this. This is just like you. <laughs> you know, like, so you, that's something great about when you sell your comics mm. to shows. You get this really immediate response. Um, and I, I find that's been really fun. So those those fun comics, I think, have been pretty well received. But I think I think people have to be prepared if they're going in for the, the long comics because it can be, like, it's a pretty heavy subject matter. And mm. you really need to be in a good headspace, I think, to, to get involved with it. Yeah. Hmm. Um, how much, how much time have we got? As much as we want. <laughs> yep. Cool. Um, okay. Um, there was just a couple more questions I wanted to ask. Sure. Um, so, um, yeah, you've done a whole bunch of, um, you know, like self-published comics and zines. Um, would you ever consider putting them together in like a big, like, like hardcover anthology? Cause I get asked this a lot with my own comics and I never get around to doing it, but you know, maybe, maybe it's a, an idea that's occurred to you. Yeah, um, I certainly think that um, as I start, as I, as I continue to build my catalogue of comics, that it's worthwhile putting some stuff together into a book. Mm. Now that um, my eating disorder comic is almost finished, that's one that I'd really like to publish as a book because it's about 300 pages all told. Mm. And um, I actually want to start scouting around for publishers because mm. when I first started writing it years ago, I did actually get some people approaching me saying, hey, can we actually publish this? And I was oh, like, nice. well, you know, that sounds nice, but, like, I'm still recovering from my eating disorder and I don't know how this story is going to end. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, and mm. I didn't want to commit to anything before I knew this story was going to have a positive ending because mm. I was terrified that, you know, I'm writing and publishing this 
recovery story on the internet and what if it goes terribly and I don't recover? That's a terrible story to put out into the world. Mm. Um, but thankfully it went well and I am now officially recovered and so now I feel like, okay, we can actually put this into a book. But I think it could really benefit from some editing because mm. it's been – I wrote it while I was recovering and so it's just kind yeah. of goes and it goes up and down and, oh, she's better. Oh, she's not. Oh, it's just <laughs> – oh, this is very dramatic and exhausting and I think it needs to be tightened up a bit. Mm. So that's one I'd really like to see in a book, I think. Cool. Um, so so with the, the latest comic, uh, Triggered, um, like, do you, do you have, like, an estimate of how long that'll be and when it'll be, like – finished and completed oh it's gonna take me a good couple of years so um i will start writing that comic this year um the benefit that i have for triggered is that most of the events um that are going to take place in the comic have already happened Mm. so i am able to put together my notes and do a lot of editing now and put together a more cohesive storyline. Yeah. Whereas when I started writing the Eating Disorder comic, you know, I was right in the middle of it and I didn't know what was going to happen. So Triggered, I hope, is going to have a lot more structure and um, touch on a number of, of different themes. Um, so hopefully it'll it'll come together with a little bit more strength. And also, you know, I've got more experience now than I did when I first started. So hopefully it's going <laughs> to be a stronger body of work. Mm. Um, and and also, um, do, do you have any plans to like collaborate with with many artists? I know you said you collaborate with um, a, ri- a writer. Yeah, was it my back friend in Florence Tate. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, have you? Do you have any plans to do that? To do that more? It's. I really enjoyed the process of collaboration, but at the same time, I you know have got notebooks and notebooks full of stories that I've written down that I want to draw, and so I'm just writing as fast as I can to try and keep up with my own material. Yeah. So um, it's a challenge of, of not enough time. And, mm. you know, being a, a typical Melbourne cartoonist, of course I do have a day job. So it's yep. about <laughs> finding the time to do we what all. we love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely feel that. <laughs> Speaking true to the heart. For, heart. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I guess just to finish up, uh, where can we find your work? Do you have any social media links and, and so forth? So on Twitter and Instagram, I am Kale McHurst, mm-hmm. K-H-A-L-E-M-C-H-U-R-S-T. And my comics, all of my um, long comics are free each week and you can find them online at kalemchurstcomics.tumblr.com. So that's K-H-A-L-E-M-C-H-U-R-S-T. C-O-M-I-C-S dot Tumblr dot com. And I post those once a week. And then my uh, the short comics that I tend to sell at shows are posted on my Patreon. So you can find me on Patreon at Kale McHurst. Mm-hmm. And that's, for the people that don't know, that's a like a subscription site. So you can pay, yep. you know, a dollar a week, a dollar a month and um, get access to the comics that I post there as well. Cool. Sounds really good. Cool. Um, I also have, like, one last question. You say you... Your Twitter thing, you say you build your life around cats, constant, <laughs> constant whims. So you're a cat lover. Uh, yeah. Look, it's now not just my cat's constant whims; it's also my dog's constant whims. So since uh, my my partner and I have bought a house, which means that her dog can now live with us. So it's the cats and the dog all trying to be on you at all times, which is very inconvenient when you're trying to, for example, draw a comic and all of the animals want to be just literally in your mouth at the same time. They just want to be so close to you. So it's, yeah, I build my life very much around trying to keep the animals just far enough away that I can physically get anything done. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. that's quite the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Querying the Air, and I'm Iris Simon here, here in the studio with Frank and Kale. Um, if anything in this interview has been distressing for you because we've covered lots of content, you are. Um, if you have a friend you could talk to, that's an option. Or you could also talk to Switchboard. You can call them. They're LGBTIQ. I um, counseling service and they're open from 3 p.m. to midnight and their number is 1-800-184-527 1-800-184-527 and they also have a web chat I have some things to talk about that I've read in the news lately that I think are worth bringing up on air um, so I mentioned that like, the Jabarong Embassy are down near Ararat sometimes on this show. Um, so that's a protest against Vic Road's destruction of sacred land and trees that was initiated by a lot of Jabarong women and also a lot of other people. And I've been there multiple times and many people have supported the, that protest. Um, so in the last week or so, it's been, like, it's been officially declared that works has been, have been suspended on that, pro- on that protest on that pro on the no what's the word on works have been suspended on the project that's the word i was looking <laughs> for um the protest is still ongoing so definitely check it out and follow the job wrong embassy on facebook and i'll and that's been linked to in the past on our facebook page and i'll provide a link in the notes of the podcast and also if you wanted more context there was a good article published in the saturday paper by tarnine onus williams i recommend People check that out um, and also provide a link to that. Uh, another thing that's coming up, I'm seeing a bunch of pretty disgusting events are happening. I think there's a there's a book tour, there's a book, there's an anti-trans book being launched in Australia next week um, by this person from overseas, like the sort of person that provides lots of justifications for the anti-bathroom bills that have been passed in multiple states over the last few years in the U.S., um, and the na- like, I think it's the National Fa- National Families Association, which is pretty right wing conservative. L- luckily, it doesn't have too much influence, which hopefully won't change. But that's yeah, that's popped up onto my radar that that's happening. Um, and that's pretty yeah. I don't know what to say on that, hmm. but I just hate it. Also, that what's popped up is. Jermaine Greer is coming for a book tour in September. And, yeah, um, where do you start with Jermaine Greer? I mean, anyone that's read The Female Eunuch and I have will know that that book is about... The idea of The Female Eunuch is actually about a trans woman called April Ashley, which is, like, a trans woman that was sensationalised around the media around the late 60s in the UK. So really not much changes. Like, she was always bad on trans stuff and she still is and this book um on that's on rape which was her last latest book i would suggest like what she's writing is really minimizing rape and a lot of her comments that she's made about this book is really concerning um so really it's really disappointing that someone like Jermaine Greer gets like rolled out national book tour gets all these platforms and it's not like anyone affected by her bigotry really gets anything um so that's really disappointing 
and I only found out about this today because it appeared in my Facebook feed that there's a her book launch in Melbourne. It's advertised that came up, and yeah, Facebook and the sorts of ads that get posted there are not to my liking. I think it's like Jermaine Greer and cops. Oh, <laughs> what do God. you get advertised on Facebook, Frank? <laughs> Oh, certainly not that. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to go to a, a song, Black Woman by Muriel Spearum, and we'll be back after that. Yes, you're tuned into Queenie on 3CR Community Radio, and I'm Iris here with Frank. We have reached... Um, the last segment of our show, we're just going to be talking about some things that are coming up uh, in the near future. Um, one thing on my radar is that RISE, is that, which is the refugee survivors and ex-detainees um, organisation, are having a ability rights booklet launch on Tuesday called Not All Disabilities Are Visible. And that and to quote their blurb on Facebook, it's a document that brings together the voices of RISE members and an analysis of non-intersectionality of the literature in the refugee and disability sectors. So you can find that on the RISE Facebook page. And um, yeah, it's on Tuesday night. And you can RSVP at admin at riserefugee.org. Um Frank, do you have anything coming up? Um, yes, actually. Uh, there is an event uh, next month, which I think will be very interesting. Um, it's called Glow in Real Life. It's based on the Netflix show Glow, which is uh, set in the 80s. It's a, about a bunch of all-femme wrestlers. I haven't actually seen it, but I've heard that it's by the same writers of Orange is the New Black. Um, but uh, there's an event taking place on Sunday, the 23rd of September at Evie's Disco Diner, which is actually just around the corner uh, from uh, Free CR on Gertrude Street. Um, so, yeah, uh, Evie's Disco Diner and Melbourne City Wrestling have teamed up to make your dreams a reality with Glow in real life. So, basically, it's sort of a... Sort of a sort of a wrestling thing where you can watch an all femme lineup of powerful boss babes um, dressed to impress. The theme is eighties uh, aerobics glam. So yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Uh, Evie's Disco Diner is a great place. It's very queer friendly. Um, there is a there is a fee to get in. Uh, the tickets I think lowest are co- costing about twenty five dollars, um, but you can pay at the event. Um, so yeah, so that is at two. 230 Gertrude Street, Fitzroy, starting at 4pm. Uh, if you visit Evie's Disco Diner on Facebook, you should be able to find a link to the event there. Cool. Um, also coming up is a sad announcement for anyone that's tuned into Queenia this year and the previous... And the previous... Uh, not sure when... But Devonar, I think, started this year or the previous year, I can't remember now, um, is leaving. And Devonar and I did a show... That will be the final show. Um, that'll, that we've pre-recorded it, so that's going to be happening on Sunday. That'll be her final show, and we're going to be talking about queerness and singleness. Um, there's actually a lot of things to come up with this, and you know, it's a really interesting topic to me. And and yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting episode for people to tune into. 
and I also plan to follow up this topic as, as well in future weeks and I'm bringing some guests to have different experiences around that because there's lots of uh, to touch on some of the things I think there's a lot of anti-single anti sort of sh stuff around and the very word single I suppose is about a relationship to the idea of that everyone aspires to coupledom or m really marriage is really it's kind of like that's why we have that word because everything's defined into ma defined against marriage in this world um so yeah we touch on many many things related to this and that's going to be next sunday from 3 to 4 p.m so make sure you've got that um in your schedule or you tune into the podcast that we'll have after that um i'd just like to thank everyone for listening um you can contact querying the air on our facebook page at querying the air or our twitter account and also at you can con you can contact us at queeringtheair@gmail.com. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.